0: Oh, hey, Will. There you are. How's it going? It's going
1: all right. Man, we kind of, like, dropped off the face of, I don't know, the realms there for a minute, didn't we? Yeah, just for a little bit. We sort of disappeared into the nadir.
0: Yeah. You know what? I think we should just call that season one, like Eric said. What do you think?
1: I like it. It's all a right. end of one season, beginning of another.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, since it's the beginning of a new season... Seems like there might be some changes, Will. What do you think?
1: I mean, I may not be a zingine cultist, but I feel like a little bit of change is in order. I agree. So might that include some other people? I mean, some fresh faces or I guess some fresh voices can't hurt. I agree. But, Paul, who would be joining us? I
0: don't
2: know. Who would be joining us? feel like oh, I should hear them now. Hello? Oh, nope. Is this? I don't understand. I was I was farming, I had a horse, and now I'm here. Is, is, is this thing on? I'm hearing voices. Are you hearing voices?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hear something. Hey, y'all. Oh, there mm-hmm.
3: you
0: go. There's another one. So, is this
4: the uh, Path to Story?
0: I think it is. But usually, a Path the Story has an intro, doesn't it? It does I think we should hear the intro now What do you think? I love it Alright
1: The best place to begin Is at the beginning
2: Let's go
3: It's a And
2: Welcome to Path to Story, a Warhammer Age of Sigmar Path to Glory podcast, where we focus on the lore, rules, and storytelling of narrative play. Thank you for joining us once again as we pitch our tents, set up camp, and share our tales from along the Path to Story. Your companions around the campfire this episode are... I'm Will, but today, my name
1: is Anon Anondak, the flighty spy of the miasmic overperch.
2: Ooh. Miasmic, Miasmic
0: overpurge. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a volcano to me, maybe. Maybe yeah. not.
2: But well, maybe not a fire volcano. Are we gonna guess right away, or do we want are we gonna save that till the end? I mean, we could do whatever we want to. I, I genuinely don't know. It sounds Nurgle ish. Right? Miasmic overpurge. But then but then I'm like, is it is it clam pestilence? Mm. I'm I'm gonna say Maggot of Nurgle
1: you'd I be feel, wrong twice ah i feel like there's some <laughs>
2: way, way kind too many continents here what's
0: going on
1: <laughs> it is the corvus cabal
2: ah juked as we talked about it too much before we hit record and then i was yeah. like there's no way you'll do the corvus cabal. and i
1: said please don't steal <laughs>
2: <laughs> i should have known at that moment all
0: right well i'm paul and today i am git Gumshins, kicker of
2: those chaos boys
4: that's <laughs> got to be grats.
2: Oh, I was I was like that's definitely lumineth, right? That's some high class. <laughs> yeah. That's some high, you know, concept, yeah. Uh, I love the idea that like it is a trophy and a name to say I kicked those chaos boys. Not that I killed any, <laughs> but literally just that I kicked
4: them. Just kicked them.
2: Any old orc can can go and kill some of those chaos <laughs> exactly. boys. <It> takes <laughs> a real gumption to kick them and run away. It takes a real grat to kick him. <laughs> <Kick a murder.
3: laughs>
4: well, I'm Harry, but today I'm Boratoa Grizzlefur, aggressive tamer of the fossilized forest.
2: Ooh. That sounds like Seraphon if
1: ever I've heard it. Say or, that's a, or, a very a bestial and chaotic way to look at life. Yeah,
0: I'd say it's an untamed beast to me. Untamed beast? Yeah.
1: I'm going straight beast to chaos.
4: All right. Very close. Very <laughs> close. It is a Realm of Beast character. So, oh very good. Faction nice. agnostic. Oh, I was like it's
2: yeah, gurish, which yeah. Uh, which is definitely appropriate.
0: Can you say it again, Harry? I wanna I wanna try and figure out what this character would be.
4: Borotoa Grizzlefur, aggressive tamer of the fossilized forests.
0: Aggressive tamer. It
4: kinda it sounds, sounds like
0: a fossilized forest. forest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait. I tame rocks. I have a pet rock collection. It's massive. <laughs>
4: I was kind of envisioning like an, an ogre
2: because
4: you know, the uh, fossilized forest might be where stone horns can be found Ooh. Okay,
2: oh, that's cool Ooh. i like that i was em- envisioning some kind of like subdued some kind of like sylvaneth glade and so now mm-hmm. they like sort of have them bound under their service okay.
1: see in my mind i was thinking an ogre but like he thinks he's taming a massive herd but it's just Huge fossilized That's bones that he's just like running around in circles, whipping them, like <laughs> making sure they don't escape. Yeah.
2: He's <laughs> well, he's, a, he's a, like he, he thinks he's a scholar, and so it's yeah, it's a fossilized uh, forest, you know, otherwise known as it's just hills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my name is Kieran, uh, but today you can call me Kanonach Felbane extravagant cartographer of the Tentacled Shipyard.
0: Ooh. Extravagant cartographer. I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, is there a Black Ark Corsair name generator or is this like Anvil Guard, something of the sort?
0: I, I think there was uh-huh. a, a uh, Corsair.
1: Ah, spider. yeah, there's a, a Scourge Privateers.
4: Yeah. I'm going to go with Disciples. Disciples of Zeech.
1: Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
2: no, the tentacles really kind of push it. Yeah, so. the tentacles do it. Yeah, I'm
4: okay, going to go well, with
2: too. It is, in fact, uh, a Ha-Curon Ooh, character naming.
1: So I was off. both right and wrong when I said <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit of. Yeah, it's
2: a. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. It's a Age of Sigmar, you know, privateers, even though we have, the, you know, the privateers belong anyway. But, okay. yeah. Well, just that, like, if he was born there, he was named as an Anvil
1: Guard character. But if exactly. he's transplanted, then he's a Harcuron character.
2: Exactly. <laughs> oh. I like it. It's like um, in tennis, there's a tennis player called Andy Murray, who I'm sure if you've seen anything about tennis, you'll know. And the joke in the UK is that uh, if, if Andy Murray wins, he's British. And if he loses, he's Scottish. So maybe, <laughs> exactly. it's, like a, maybe it's that kind of deal. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Amazing. Well, Paul and Will, do you want to, obviously we got some new, some new voices. Mine is one of them. Do you want to yeah. explain to us a little bit about Season 2 of Path to Story and what that means and and where we're going to go from here.
1: Yeah, so real quick, before we move on to uh, Season 2, just like a quick, I think, summary of what happened with uh, Season 1 is right after the last episode, you all heard. Um, Paul and I both had, like, kind of changes in our careers and job fields and stuff, and it just created a little bit more turmoil than we were expecting, and then like oh the next episode which was going to come out soon went further and further Mm -hmm. away and it's been long enough now that we are ready to come back and come back fresh and brand new
0: exactly and we thought maybe one of those things would be to uh, help to broaden the base have a couple more people so we can get a couple more voices people who express some passion about um the the podcast
1: and path of glory in general so um more is better So we decided to call you two up Mm -hmm. and I'm going to start with uh, the voice that everyone heard after the intro music, Kieran. Kieran, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Hello. Well, yes, my name is Kieran, as you can probably tell. uh, I am not American. Uh, (laughs) I am from the UK. I know. Shocker. (laughs) I am from the UK. I currently live in Texas, which is about the weirdest transition as you could imagine. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it for who I am, uh, in terms of where Will and Paul managed to, uh, drag me out of the, the, the ditch at the side of the road along the, you know, path to story. Um, I started listening to, um, the first path to story season, uh, as a way of, I, you know, kind of, hang on, I'm going to go back, I'm going to back up here. I'm, uh, getting away from myself. So, uh. <laughs> I have been out of the Warhammer hobby for a long time. Um, as a teenager, I played 40k a little bit, and um, I mainly played uh, Lord of the Rings, the Middle of, what is now the Middle-earth battle, battle game. I played Dwarves in that, just in case anybody is curious, because I loved the Vault Wardens, which were my favorite miniatures ever and still remain so dear to my heart. Um,
0: Played Interesting some of that. miniature to be your favorite miniature. I just,
2: I think I loved <laughs> the idea of like the, the the close tunnel combat, and that there were these dwarves that you know they had the giant shield that was as big as they are, and they work mm-hmm. with a partner, and maybe in pet, you know, four together, kind of like keeping all of the other armies, at, you know, the goblins and everything, at bay. I sort of loved that. We're gonna make a stand here in this tunnel, and nobody's gonna be able to move. As kind of deal. Have, have you heard of Skaven Weapon teams? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if, if if that was the evil that the dwarves had woken up in, in Khazad-dûm, they would have fallen a lot quicker, I think. <laughs> but so, yes, I did those. Um, and then I fell out of the kind of modeling and painting part of the hobby for 10 plus years. Uh, but I've kept up with Warhammer lore uh, and everything. And then recently I decided to... Um, see what all of this Age of Sigma stuff was about. Um, and was like, okay, I'm going to listen to a bunch of podcasts and find some lore stuff. And uh, Path to Story was the first one I found. And then I found, uh, as a result, Path to Story, the story phase from the Mortal Realms. Uh, joined the Discord, which um, if uh, you're just, you know, tuning back in, you're like, what is this Discord? It is uh, themortalrealms.com forward slash Discord.
0: Were you one of those, those people plugs in. that hung on. out on the Discord all day? Yes. When Aaron said...
2: Day. Take, yeah, when Aaron said hang out all day every day, that is exactly what I did. I, you know, I would, I would, I've learned to shut off half of my brain at a time, like a shark, so that I can just keep up constantly in the Discord for the second that he asks questions um, or asks full questions, it. and then I, that is the way to do it. And then, you know, you might even get invited onto a podcast. So, you know, I'm not saying that that won't work. So, you know, head on over there. I mean, (laughs) it works for two people on the show. Exactly. (laughs) Half of this cast, that's how we are now here. So, Um, but yes, so we have, uh, we chatted on the Discord and then Paul got in touch with me and uh, uh, asked if I wanted to be on the podcast to which I said yes. So I have been learning a lot about Age of Sigma. I have been getting slowly back into the hobby side of things, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And that's kind of my story. So let's go yeah. to let's go to Harry, shall we?
4: Hey y'all. So I'm Harry, and uh I'm also in Texas, but I'm still about nine hours away from Kieran. So it's not like <laughs> which, we can that. Which that alone
2: that is that's like the length of the UK, you know? It's like you drive nine <laughs> hours and you're in the ocean, pretty much. Um, yeah, pretty much <laughs> or Scotland. Which or is Scotland kind of the exactly. same thing, depending well, on what oh my god
4: but but in texas you're just across the state so (laughs) um yeah as far as my warhammer background i've been playing warhammer since well it was high school for me so the late 90s i don't recall the exact year i got into it but started off with a little bit of warhammer fantasy battles a little bit of warhammer 40,000, and a little bit of warhammer ancients for anybody who remembers uh uh, the Warhammer historicals.
2: Um, those products. are so fun. I'm going to have to ask about that later because I have no idea what that even is. Uh,
4: just imagine Warhammer fantasy battles, but with like Romans and ancient oh. Celts and stuff. Okay. okay. Yeah. Wild West. Yep, yeah. Yep. In the Wild West. Um, so, yeah, got into all that. Uh, slowly started collecting as I got more and more disposable income. Um, and uh, it's been. Always my go to sort of stress relief, uh no matter where whether I'm in college or working or you know, now with a, a wife and kid and uh you know full time job, it's still always been there as a background thing. Um through the, the pandemic, the um Warhammer Twitter and the Discord were kind of my my uh, outlet since you can't get together and play games. So I uh, tried to be very active with both of those, and um, some of y'all might have seen an article that got to do on the Warhammer Community site uh, when the uh, Lord Commander Bastion Carthlos was announced. I was honored enough to, to be sent two of those, one for me and one for my son, and uh, we painted those up and got to do a cool article for Warhammer Community, which was just absolutely incredible um, to, to share that with him. So my son, he's uh, in elementary school. He's all about Warhammer now. And so he's yeah. my, my most regular op- uh, opponent. Um, and <laughs> that will come into the discussion on this show quite a bit because uh, part of what we're doing uh, along with this season two is both he and I have started up our own Path to Glory campaign That we're kind of running with each other, um, which is really exciting because it's a fun way to tell a story together with our own armies. Um, But I'll get into more of those details as we go on.
0: Wait, you mean Will and I aren't driving down to Texas and back every single month to make sure that we actually get games in person? Like,
2: (laughs) well, that—that was my understanding. You're now
0: telling me, yeah, you're now telling me that's not what's happening. Well, I'm not sending you any gas cards, but I mean, if you come up, I mean, I'll, I'll get you a game, that's for
4: sure. The weather's better down here right now. I'll just That's
2: true. That I depends. Know, nice yeah, I was here. like,
3: ah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anything above 60 degrees and I evaporate. So I, oh. you know, it, we're getting into the seventies already and it's like, it is January. It's not supposed to be this hot. I, I don't know Dang. if you're British anymore. You just use Fahrenheit.
0: I mean, if you would have said thirty, <laughs> I would have believed you. I truly, well, like, here's what's you're literally funny. melting.
2: <laughs> here's what's funny is that over there, so I'm now really I can do the Fahrenheit to Celsius conversion if it's above like if it's above 60, you know, if it's 60 to 110, I've gotten really used to those conversions over the holidays. My wife and I went north to Minnesota, mm-hmm. where of course, with the winter storm as well, it was anything below, you know, it was 60 and below Fahrenheit. You know, down all the way to I think the wind chill was like minus thirty Fahrenheit, and I had to ch- I had to keep changing it every day because I'm like it never gets this cold in Texas, and I have no idea how to do this conversion in my head. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I say if
1: you were in Wisconsin like the week before, you wouldn't have had to have done conversions because negative forty, which it was, happens mm. to be the same in both. Is it scales.
2: really? <laughs> yeah. Like uh.
0: <laughs> so, when it hits thirty-two Fahrenheit, is what the British call zero, right? And then it was no. we are like no, no. There's 32 more degrees before it gets before you zero. Get zero and, yeah.
2: <laughs> God, that did become such an important clarifying point where everyone was like, "Oh, it's going to be zero today." And they are like, Celsius or Fahrenheit? That's a very help. This is this is a very important question. <laughs> Amazing, right. Harry. You mentioned yeah that article that you did with with uh, the Warcom team. Uh, we so Paul and Will kind of got in touch with us in was it November about this show and kind of coming on board and then we had all been chatting together and it wasn't until about a couple of weeks ago that I realized And I was following people on Twitter that was like oh my god that was Harry in the article so I had this like starstruck moment (laughs) after having chatted to you for a couple months (laughs) which was great.
4: Thank you I mean it was it was a lot of fun like I said and for me, I had the similar moment back at, in October at the Holy Havoc when I got to meet Paul and Will and several other people whose names and faces um, I hadn't been able to put together before that point and had the pleasure of playing against Will in one of the yeah. games. I think Paul was grudged out for all five games, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe maybe next year.
2: Yeah, exactly. Wait, so this is news to me. I actually don't think I knew that Harry, you had met Paul and Will. So I'm really, I have not met anybody. I'm currently, as far as I'm concerned, you guys exist on a screen, and you're 2D, (laughs) and you're like, you know, two inches tall, and that's great.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny, because we have two people in Texas who have never met, uh, two people in Wisconsin who meet, and then the one time we met uh, Harry was in Illinois. So. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. We How well-traveled we are. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> Amazing. Well, one of the things, Harry, you mentioned was, uh, yes, that we are all starting new Path to Glory campaigns, so I think we can kind of transition into talking a little bit about the new season and our new campaigns and what that will look like. And as we just mentioned, um, most of us are not in the same place uh, despite being in Texas and being nine hours apart. So with the four of us kind of not necessarily getting to play against each other, uh, you may be wondering, dear listener, how will any of this work? Uh, Do one of you guys want to talk a little bit about how we're going to make it work?
4: Well, before we jump into that, let's talk a little bit about why we want to do, you know, why are we doing a Path to Glory podcast in the first place? Great idea. Um, This is really a labor of love, I think, for all four of us in that when Games Workshop gave us the third edition of Warhammer Age of Sigmar in the narrative section, because they've had the three ways to play since first edition. They've had open play, narrative play and match play. But in the narrative section, this time they had a really unique campaign section or campaign concept. And they took an old name, Path to Glory, which they'd already had, but they put an entirely new system together in the third edition. And what that allows you to do is to carry an army through a storytelling process over the course of multiple games, and it's really not limited by geography or you know if one player can play more games or another player plays less games. Um, it's really not limited because you're it, you're telling the story of your army, mm-hmm. and there's something incredibly beautiful about that because the end of the day, I think most of us, that's what we're trying to do when we play Warhammer Mm -hmm. is we collect and paint these beautiful armies and we're telling a story with our toy soldiers um, through these battles that we have with our friends. And this just takes it a step further and adds in some of those role-playing elements, um, some progression, some consequences, sometimes some death for heroes or uh, certain units. Um, And so... We wanted to explore that a little bit more. Obviously, we're not in a position physically to play uh, games against each other, but we can still tell these stories of our armies going forward and share in that experience and celebrate that experience together.
1: Perfectly, Perfectly said. pop Yep. <laughs> there we go. The only other thing I wanted to add to that is like we said, we don't even need to be in the same location. When you're playing a game, you don't even need to be playing a narrative play game. Even if you play a match play, it still adds on. Absolutely. I really needed to throw that in there because season one, we didn't. And (laughs) some guy named Harry called us out on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) So Paul and I needed to correct ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
4: Well, yeah. When you guys launched uh, the first season, I had also picked up uh, a third edition and was running with a um, stormcast Eternals path to glory army. And all of my opponents here locally, Uh, they all want to play match play games. They wanted to get ready for tournaments or they want to break out the general's handbook and play by those rules with those scenarios. And those are great. They're a lot of fun. But I was able to go and take the the results of each of those battles and do the aftermath phase with my army. And it had no bearing on whether or not they were doing a similar thing with their army.
2: Right, Mm -hmm. right. The thing I also love about the four of us here <clears throat> is we kind of we inadvertently, I don't think Will and Paul had like planned for this, but we sort of represent, you know, you listening at home, kind of whatever scenario you find yourself in, in terms of the number of people you have to play with, the community that you find yourself in. Will and Paul, obviously, in Madison, have a very established Age of Sigmar scene that they play together. They can play regularly. They can play each other or they can play uh, other opponents there. Uh, whether they are also doing Path to Glory or not. Um, Harry, what I like about yours is that um, you mentioned already, like, you and your son are primarily kind of playing with each other. So that's another aspect of, like, um, you know, maybe listeners at home just have other people in their family, maybe a sibling or a parent or a child that they're, you know, primarily playing with, and that's that. And then for me, uh, in my local scene, literally I have been to all of the local game stores. Nobody plays Age of Sigmar in my city. So I am primarily going to be playing... Against myself, so I'm going to be doing uh, exploring some solo rules, uh, which they have published in various white dwarfs, um, and some we'll try some homebrew stuff, uh, homebrew stuff, um, and things like that. But you know, just to sort of reiterate that, whatever kind of player you are, whatever kind of stories you want to tell, whatever your local scene looks like or doesn't look like, you can you can do this. Like we are hoping to kind of model that uh, in the way that we tell our stories and tell our games uh, that if your community is primarily online, you can still do this. If your community is primarily in person, you can do this. So uh, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: again, we're really trying to model all of the different ways that you can tell stories together and just have fun with your friends, no matter where they are. Absolutely.
1: And you said you, you didn't know if Paul and I did that on purpose. We didn't. (laughs) But one of the things... (laughs) Hey, hey, don't go sharing any secrets. No, no, but we did have a good idea, Mm -hmm. which was we realized, like, this, like, Path to Glory and, like, people's interaction with it needs to be more than just the two of us talking about a game we played with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And so inviting more people to kind of sit around the fire to hear more different variations of how to do it is exactly what we're looking for when we move forward into uh, season two and moving on is the idea of anyone can be doing their own path to glory. And no matter how you're doing it, we want to hear about it. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, and, Definitely. and one of the things that I've, I've recently tried to like talk about is that I think everybody is on a spectrum of narrative to match play, right? There's right. some people that are 99% match play, but I think you still have to be 1% narrative. Yeah. to want to play a game where you put little toy models on a table that you paint. Right. I, I think there has to be some narrative in there for you to, to love it that much. Right. And it right. can be a 99% narrative, but you have to have that 1% match play in you mm-hmm. to want to put models on a table and see if they win or not. Right. Yeah. To want to roll the sure. dice. You can tell those stories without the models. Right. And so whether or not you want to like do a full-blown campaign, whether or not you want to convert an army yourself, Like whether or not you just want to enjoy listening to the stories, right? It's totally fine. We're all on the spectrum of narrative match play, open play, and we're just here to have fun,
2: right? Yep. So, just go along for the ride if you want. Amazing. One other thing um, I meant to bring up earlier in the show uh, is, of course, there is one voice that is not here from previous season, which would be Spencer. Uh, will, you yeah. want to just mention a little bit about Spencer.
1: Yeah, she's um, she's in a better place, uh, which means <laughs> no, wait, that. Wait, she... Oh God!
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> roll
0: the
2: one. On she is going to be listening you know I mean. to this, like, um,
1: oh
0: my God, I am.
1: <laughs> no, just like on top of like some of the life changes that affected Paul and I. Am recording. Uh, Spencer's also had uh, some life changes. She got married over the summer, which hey, fantastic nice for her. Uh, beautiful wedding. Uh, And she's just uh, busy with other things, and she always has an open invitation. She just is going to be focusing on other things. We may hear her every now and then, but
0: no. You could just like splice in little pieces on random episodes. Just, (laughs) yeah, great little
2: like (laughs) ad libbed questions. Yes.
1: just like whoa like in the background.
2: Yeah. Oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We should just get a suspense soundboard is what we should do. Oh man. <laughs> exactly. That'd be amazing.
1: Bird, 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 bird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wonderful.
2: Well, I think let's let's dive into then the so we talked about kind of how it's going to work mechanically sort of outside the world of Age of Sigmar. Um But do we want to talk a little bit about the shared space that our armies and our stories are going to inhabit?
4: Yeah. So, since we're, you know, all like you mentioned, we're approaching the way we play our games and the way we run our individual paths to glory in different ways, we still wanted to do something combined. And so, as we were preparing for this season, one of the things we talked about was a combined setting, a place within the mortal realms where all of our armies can interact in some way, whether they're basing their battles there or their home base, or it's a place they visit for supplies um, or they raid. It's, it's a common, uh, a setting, uh, a common stage on which we can tell this play. And so what we've come up with is a place that we're right now calling the veins Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's. Not unlike other sub realms that you hear about within the mortal realms, it's neither in Gur or in Olgu, but it's somewhere between the two mortal realms of Gur and Olgu.
1: So if we want to shorten that down, we are going to be in a little sub realm of Gurgu.
4: Gurgu. Yep. Absolutely. So how did how did the the veins come to be, Karen?
2: yeah so a lot of this has been um i should say as we're doing this the four of us have kind of been uh, collaboratively world building this setting and we'll kind of we have some very cool ideas and plans for um not just it as a thematic setting but also some rules or uh, battle packs to actually that we can all kind of play and then potentially release um as part of the Path to Story podcast as well. So um, I'll say that, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have like official, I suppose, things about this, but the idea is that the Veins is this sub-realm um, that is, it began life as a series of null holes uh, that the Skaven uh, chewed through, or chewed, I guess, you know, chewed into existence. What even are null holes? Um, during the Age of Myth. Uh, and they gnawed their way through to one uh, a different realm. Uh, and there's sort of like, you know, there's little uh, entrances to realms all over the place in the uh, in the veins. Um, and they managed to, like they did in another gnaw which I can't remember off the top of my head, which I should have probably looked up before the show started, but they flooded <laughs> half of the veins. And so this is an early attempt at uh, them burrowing between the realms, uh, they abandoned the tunnels because it had half flood. Uh, in the process of flooding the tunnels, they accidentally um, came out at the bottom of an ocean, which also had a god beast uh, in the ocean that they managed to the suction was so strong that it pulled the god beast through into the veins, uh, where you know sadly the God beast has perished, uh, but it proved a uh, fertile ground for um, hardy, Men and women of the mortal realms to found a city eventually. And Paul, do you want to talk a little bit about the city? Sure. Um, so,
0: number one, you've heard of a kit bash. This setting is very much a lore bash. Yes. Oh <laughs> my god, I love that so things. much. Yes. It is a lore bash. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's throwing in all kinds of ideas. Yep. Um, so, I, I think the thing that um, I enjoy about the, the, this whole concept is just that it was literally just like throwing in an idea throwing in an, you know some like hey it sh- it should have bridges and the yeah. bridges will be on the ceiling and they were like oh yeah and then and and then it'll be flooded and like and this will work and so like the the city is kind of a it's not a reclaimed city it's more of an unclaimed city so mm-hmm. uh, it's those who survived in the realms uh and they were able to survive because they're in this like Rotting god beast, and it, it it moves around. It's in the ocean, so it's, it's kind of hard to find. So, might be some smuggling. Who knows what's going on here? Uh, but it's it's got all these different levels and all these small little hidden places. Um, you know, it, it's a wretched hive of scum and villainy, but in the yeah, mortal realms, exactly. Right? Um, so it, it's just really a, a story and an idea of how do we kind of make all these things come together? Um, and, and so, yeah, no, it it, it's been a lot of fun. So just kit bashing and lore bashing this together.
4: And as we continue to flesh it out, it's not just going to be for us. Mm -hmm. It's going to be for you guys, the listeners. We want to open this setting up of the veins for you guys to tell your stories and fight your battles in. Um, and hopefully we have some more, uh, Uh, scenarios and rules that we can throw together and have you guys try out in your battles and you can enjoy this place along with us this season.
1: Yeah. And even though we had said that it's going to be taking place in Gergu, that doesn't mean that if you want to join in, you have to come from either Ger or Olgu. Uh, You can come from any realm. In fact, we may have some people on the show who have their armies based in other realms. The main thing is just to get to the general area you just need to find these old abandoned gnaw holes, which could be as small as like a doorway.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: you can find these anywhere. Because Skaven, one thing they don't do is plan things out thoroughly.
2: So God, especially when they first notes. were trying to, in the age of myth, these are some of the first gnaw holes, the first attempts at it. So these are e- even more erratic. Yeah, Erratic. Erratic. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <Hey-o>. <laughs> Amazing. And so, yes, in the future uh, future episodes we'll have, um, I think we sort of envisioned little developer diaries of what we've been working on as the, as we sort of build out what I see very much as this kind of hub world. You know, if you've ever, ever played a video game or, or re, even really tabletop role-playing games, but uh, video games, especially uh, online with the players, that there's often like a, a little hub world where you can kind of interact with each other and, and, you know, before going out onto missions. And so I think we are envisioning the veins very much as like, a battlefield that you can fight on and yeah. uh, you know, but also as a sort of, you know, our little city will be a place that you can hire mercenaries and sort of sightsee a little bit. And we'll go into that kind of thing as well um, for the territories and whatever. But yeah. Yeah. so yes, my future.
0: Oh, sorry, Paul, go for it. You might sense a theme here. How Will came up with the Hungry Steps and I came up with the Gibbering Dome. Um, we kind of enjoy uh, building all these little worlds. Uh, but since we have new people, uh, new ideas, we wanted to definitely have a um, a new place uh, to find and develop and explore, right? Um, just so everybody gets a chance to put their own little mark on it, um, all that kind of stuff.
2: OK, so now we've talked a little bit about the veins and how this shared campaign is going to work. Um, If it's okay with you guys, I thought we could actually talk about the armies that we're going to play and our Path to Glory campaigns as they stand currently. So let's start with Will. Will, tell me all about your new force.
1: All right. So uh, even though I was doing Stormcast before and Stormcast are my first army... I am going to be switching up to the exact opposite, which is going to be slaves to darkness. I was going to say you're Ooh. 180ing it. Absolutely, yeah, just a full—it's my bad boy phase. Um, <laughs> You've entered your
2: <laughs> reputation here, <Yeah. laughs> bad boy
1: phase. I I do realize that it is like a similar uh, concept in like how the army is made, in the sense that what I did for this army is it's slaves to darkness. Uh, it's going to be Legion of the First Prince because I'm just like. The Chaos Legionnaires and everything with Bellicor is really standing out to me. Yep. Uh, so the army is called the Knights of the Scorned Shadow. Oh,
2: I think this is new um, information to me. Excellent. Yeah.
1: I've been holding on to this one. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna be an Olgu, and I've been doing a lot of research back into like my old college days of researching like medieval England and like medieval, like actual medieval keeps. Which was, they weren't like huge fortresses with lots of armies. It'd be a really cool looking fortress, but there wouldn't be that many people. So it's actually going to be more of a hero focused army with like chaos legionnaires to sort of be like almost like the Bretonian militia. Yeah. Um, like almost like the peasantry. They mm. are led by Kaldor Unlad, uh, who.
2: I love That, uh, that, that fits with made... the Bretonian theme because "unlad" of course is French for "one guy."
1: Exactly. Yeah. I,
2: I We've got somebody because... who speaks French on the podcast. No, no, no. no, that, was, no that was no. That was no, for anybody <laughs> who speaks French. That was <laughs> all those
1: stupid
0: French things we said in season one. Take them away, take them away. Fromage, fromage,
1: fromage. But Caldor actually did make a public appearance last year at the Gibbering Dome. He was mm-hmm. just a random chaos cultist I dressed up as. Oh, excellent. And now he has an army, so wow. carrying that narrative forward.
2: Very exactly. Cool. Um, what drew you see, to Slaves to Darkness for this season?
1: Uh, as part of the story phase, we were given a review copy of the army mm-hmm. box from Games Workshop. Thank you. Uh, and I had it, so I'm like, well, I need to do something with this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but really, it was the Like the introduction of the Chaos Legionnaires, which I think is such a cool sculpt and it really does fit that old like medieval vibes that I have been hankering for. So the combination of like that story, that aesthetic, and then the timing of it really pulled me in. And I'm going to share in our little chat, and I'm going to post it on the Discord at some point when the episode comes out. I did spend some time today making a little map of my Fortress. And oh,
0: excellent. Ooh. Ooh. Very
1: cool. so the idea is like we have kaldor who is the lord he's got his little assistant hero we have a centaurian marshal who's like the leader of the legionnaires uh we have a sorcerer and then it's just like chaos chosen is sort of like the knights like forming around there it's not really a round table because there's got eight points to it.
2: <laughs> they're very pointy table. They're, yeah. they're decidedly not round table.
1: Not not round at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the idea is just that I'm kind of sitting in Olgu kind of filling that like medieval lord role and seeing like how that can work with Slaves of Darkness and like what. A medieval society would look like under chaos as opposed to what it would look like under order or anything like that So
0: it's kind of like an outpost
1: It's almost exactly like a stronghold where you can put an outpost uh, uh,
0: <laughs> So instead of a Dawnbringer crusade you're a mm-hmm. night bringer crusade.
2: There we go Exactly night bringer because he's an Olgu, it's without the K <laughs> He is a Nightbringer Crusade. Yes. He is a katan. No, wait, Kitty. sorry, wrong system. Moving on. Yeah. Uh,
1: and then in the little map, you can see the little skitter hole that they use to go into the veins and everything.
2: Oh, oh, it's it's isometric and everything, viewers. I can't wait for you to see this. Yeah. You as listeners. So the thing is,
0: this seems like uh, something that the, uh, what was it? the uh, The cartographer... Whose character was it something oh that was me i still have it
2: pulled up hang on i am a uh, an extravagant cartographer of the exactly shipyard Ch- Ooh, i like yeah. that um, <laughs> it seems like
0: something the extravagant cartographer would come up
4: with to me it does. I'm I'm definitely there. some extravagant cartography
2: <laughs> i'll also point just note here as well that um we are also planning this season, uh, which once we get it fully up and running, we will include it in the podcast. But we're going to have uh, make more use of Instagram and probably a space on our the mortal realms, uh, com website as well. That when we uh, kind of share these pictures or whatever, you can go to our Discord, which is themortalrealms.com forward slash Discord. Uh, or you can just go to the Mortal Realms if it's been a while and you're listening to us in the future, which hello, I hope 2023 is going okay. Um, slash beyond that uh you can find those uh, relatively easily by just going to whatever podcast episode is and pulling up exactly what wills talking about so we will also have that in the future as well okay amazing
0: that's really cool hey well we should have done that in season 1 huh
1: yeah <laughs> that's why you have a that's... season 1 right you know <laughs> yeah exactly and that's why we have more people for season 2 to come up with good ideas <laughs>
4: And take them,
0: and then we can take credit for them. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. It's amazing. Mine.
2: Will anything else you want to add at this point in time uh, about the concept of your army or the the law behind it? Anything you want to do at this point? Um. The no. To I mean, that can I can the no, classic
1: yeah. will thing of everyone has names, everyone has little backstories, but I may reveal more of those as like we get into battles, and if they do anything noteworthy, that is worth Love sharing. That. That's great. Awesome.
4: looking forward to it
2: okay harry <laughs> i uh i know that there might be a somewhat of a uh a connection not necessarily yeah, all at those, the risk of sounding
4: already. bandwagony yeah. here i am also going to i'm also going to be doing the uh, slaves to darkness for <gasps> this path to glory did they just um, get
2: new models or something
4: <laughs> new models a new book yeah um, that's very true just, a complete uh, reshuffle of how they're they're approaching that army. So one of the things that they're doing in this new Battle Tome is they've made the Cultist and Dark Oath uh, baseline battle line, and they've built in a lot more synergy with the um, Dark Oath heroes. And so one of the things that's attracted me to uh, even Hordes of Chaos back when we were playing Warhammer fantasy battles was this idea of a Marauder horde, just barbarians coming down out of the, the wilderness, raiding civilization and, you know, committing unspeakable evils and then running back off to their camps. And so that's, that's kind of what I wanted to do with this. Yeah. I've had a, a small collection of Marauders and Marauder horsemen and various chaos um, champions that have, I've gathered over the years. And so this seemed like a perfect opportunity to explore some of that by building a Slaves to Darkness army and actually putting it together. Um, so, my theme for this army is going to be very much those barbarian hordes um, focused around the Dark Oath um, because they flesh those out a lot more both in uh, Age of Sigmar, but also in the Underworlds Warbands and the Warcry Warband, the Darko Savagers, which are just absolutely beautiful models. Yeah, they've seen a lot so, of them recently. Yeah. Yeah. With, with the exception of those two, the uh, the Godsworn Hunt and the Darko Savagers, the rest of my army is actually old models that I've had for a while. And so try, working to put a, um, a refresh on these guys. So I've got Marauders on Foot I've got Marauder Horsemen, and um, then I'm actually using some extra Marauders on foot that I had to convert those up and do some kit bashing and make a second unit or a second um, tribe, if you will, of Dark Oath to uh, supplement my army. For the heroes, I've got some great old models that I wanted to pull out of retirement. Um, So my Warlord is a Dark Oath War Queen. And for that, I'm using the actual uh, the Mordheim Hunter, Beast Hunter. I don't know if you guys remember that model. Um, I only know
2: it from the amazing pictures that you've been posting. In well, the thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, an,
4: it's definitely an older model, it, uh, probably early 2000s. And uh, it was created as a mercenary character that you could take in Mordheim to add to your warband as you were going through uh, oh. your Mordheim campaign. And it's just such an evocative character. It's very... Um, such
2: a great sculpt.
4: Kind of has a lot of the, uh, the predecessor to the modern barbarian uh, vibes to it. And it's got this hood with these uh, beastman horns. So the, the lore back then was it was a, a beastman hunter. And um, given, given the, uh, the advances in sculpting and miniature design over the past 20 years, Uh, This model is a little bit smaller and a little bit thinner um, or slighter than uh, modern models. So I felt that it would be a really good model to represent uh, a war queen, actually. And so it wasn't too hard to uh, shave the the goatee off of it, do a little bit of sculpting. (laughs) You could have just got the goatee Uh, on. Well, (laughs) that's enough. always an option. Absolutely. And uh but it's painted up really really well. Um the only thing I wasn't able to do was clean some super glue out of the uh the eye oh. holes on the hood. So I actually ended up just green stuffing those in and that ended up playing right into the lore. So her name is Ooh. Tigress Doomsight. Oh, and excellent. oh um, yeah. What I've gone ahead and done is given her the Helm of the Oppressor, which is a artifact in the new book that takes away the ability to do uh, inspiring presence and rally commands if you're nearby. Oh, wow. And so part of this story to her is she is cursed. And if you see her true eyes, it just breaks your will. Excellent. And so that's, that's how I'm playing that out with the rules and the model and the lore all wrapped together there. Uh, The other model that I've got uh, as a supporting hero is a Chaos Sorcerer Lord. And for that, I'm using the old uh, Dark Emissary from the Dark Shadows campaign. um, very lovely model. Yeah, a wonderful, wonderful model. And again, a similar look, so it ties those two heroes together because he's got that draped um, hood over one eye and uh, I'm able to paint them very similar, so they look like they go together in an army, even though they're very disparate models. Um, but they're coming together there. And then my, my third hero is the Thedra Skullscreer from the uh, Godsworn Hunt. Very um, cool. Which that's, that's a sort of fun thing, because you have the ability to bring those underworld's war bands into your path to glory army right but there are special rules for using those in path to glory because they're unique they automatically are going to be treated differently so they're not going to get your injury rolls they're not going to gain renown they're just sort of a a, um, uh, a guest a special guest in your path to glory army um, but they're not you're not telling their story you're telling the story of your hero yeah, that
2: your opening act for your warlords uh, headline. Yeah. You know?
4: yeah. Absolutely.
1: Um, so narratively, are you like you're not just using like the War Scroll of Thedra, but you're actually like using Thedra herself? Yeah.
4: So I'm gonna I'm gonna be telling the story right. of why Thedra and the Godsworn Hunt have come and joined alongside Tigris okay. and and part of this army that she's putting together near Black Moon Crag, where their stronghold is, as they go out raiding. Um, and in fact, uh, that's, you know, the first quest that we drew for this path to glory army is, um, search for the artifact because I want to add the infernal puppet to, uh, to my, uh, chaos sorcerer Lord. It's a fun little artifact. And so that's what does it do? I do
2: not have the book yet. So I'm (laughs) going to learn all of these things.
4: One use only in the battle. You can send it to disrupt another wizard on the battlefield so it's this magical marionette that goes out there and basically dances in front of the uh the other um wizard and it causes them to take mortal wounds if they cast any spells so it basically shuts down their spell casting for that one that one turn Um, and like i said it's once per battle but it's a really fun artifact to play with and uh, so my sorcerer lord wants this And the, um, the war queen is going out hunting for this. And so this is the last two battles. My son and I have fought have been my army searching for this, this infernal puppet. Um, so talking about my son, He's well, Harry, going before you start. get to
2: his army yep. i just had a question of what does he think of the old models like he's sort of seeing these as somebody who's grown up with the new right sculpts the new thing yeah. what does he think of of the sort of classic models that you, you use i mean
4: he definitely enjoys them i mean yeah. i don't think that to him it really matters how old a model is if he sure. thinks it's cool it's cool yeah, um so great. and one of the great things about games workshop models is through the years they've They've really been cutting edge and, and making cool models. So some of the stuff may look dated, but it still, um, you know, it still was cool at it, at the time and still has that that sort of essence of cool to it. Yeah, they're full of character. Um, like no they, matter, yeah, they, they still, are. yeah. Yeah. So like the bodyguard for my Chaos Sorcerer Lord are Chaos Warriors. And those are all the old Battle Masters plastics, Chaos yeah, Warriors. brilliant. Um, and they still hold up. You know, once you get them painted up, they look like they fit in with everything else. Excellent. It might so be a cool. little short, but. <laughs> but you know, that doesn't,
2: <laughs> yeah, that
4: doesn't stop them. Yeah. They're just shorter guys. So you mentioned um, sure
2: that the artifact you're looking for is helpful for shutting down enemy wizards, which I'm sure you have a plethora of choices. Yeah. Uh, given your son's army.
4: So so my <laughs> son is all in on elves and specifically he loves the Lumineth Realm Lords. So he is building a Lumineth Realm Lord army, and he loves the new models, but he was gifted by a very generous member of the, the hobby community, a double set of the High Elf side of the old Spire of Dawn box set. Yeah, so cool. he has a bunch of Blademasters uh, or Swordmasters, which he's using as Blade Lords. He has the... Um, the uh, Sea Guard, which I'll get into what we're doing with those in a second, and then he has the Alarian Reavers, which we're using as Hurricane Wind Chargers. Um, he wants to get Don Riders, so he's actually added a unit of Don Riders to his roster, but he's right now proxying Ilarian Reavers till he can get those models. Oh, yeah. um, he does love the new sculpts, like I said, of the Lord Regent and the um, the Casters. So for Uh, several of his wizards like you mentioned he's got a ton of wizards he's got a lore master um or a a lore seeker rather he's got a lore seeker he's got a um a cenari cathelar
2: love the model. such a such a gorgeous sculpt
4: or no it's the caligrave oh that he's the guy with the pen yes absolutely he doesn't have the Cathalar yet. He wants yeah. to get that one. Yeah. Um, and then he just got for Christmas. Santa brought him the uh, Cenarion Lightner, which Ooh. he's mm. waiting to fight another battle so that he can get the glory to add that to his um, to his roster. Very cool. Um, as far as I mentioned the sea Guard, what we're doing with those, because they're really neat models, but they don't have a direct port over into the Lumineth. Right. Because they've got bows and spears. What we've decided to do, and this is something that you guys as listeners, we want you guys to feel free to do this in your stories too. If you've got models that don't fit just right, because the Vinari Aloran Sentinels and the Aloran Wardens are the same points, what we agreed to do between us is he went ahead and created the Vinari Aluren Sea Seaguard. So his story for these is that they're actually Ideneth who fled a chaos invasion in the sea and sought refuge with the Lumineth. So they're from the sea originally. And so that's why they've got all these fish motifs and these sea motifs. And then at the beginning of each battle, he gets to decide when he deploys the models, whether they're going to be wardens or sentinels, and then plays using that war scroll for that battle. So he can't change it during the battle. They're either using their bows or they're using their spears but once he chooses that, that's what they're going with for the battle. And it gives him a little bit more of that flexibility and the ability to really enjoy these models uh, in the storytelling.
0: That's awesome. I think that's a great way of like if you've got some awesome models that you want to paint, just have fun with them. Yeah, Figure out it. how it works in the game. So
4: absolutely.
1: Well, and one thing I'm really interested in hearing about is as like this unique unit like uh, gets more renowned. And gets like veteran abilities. Like what would he... Like I want to kind of figure out what he's going to go with. To see like, oh, what's going to work. Like both for the archers and for the spearmen. Right, right. Since they're going to be like a dual kit.
4: Yep.
1: Also, I just think it's perfect that your son was literally gifted from Games Workshop. A beautiful Stormcast model. And went, awesome. But New Year, New Army.
4: Yeah, absolutely. He's like, yeah, this is really cool. I feel represented in the game, but um, elves are really awesome. So yeah. I want to do elves. <laughs> he's
1: he's switching armies like a Warhammer player twice his age. Yeah, yeah.
4: I've set a good example. I'll get to that later. But yeah. <laughs>
1: all right, then, uh, Kieran, what yes.
4: about you? Hello. Well, speaking of
2: Lumineth, I love that we've gone from will with slaves of darkness. <laughs> harry with slave to darkness harry's son with lumineth and then guess what we have what? another we, we have another link so i am also <laughs> obsessed with elves and particularly with the lumineth so i will be starting uh, out with a lumineth force so um i which i i've sent this to my my fellow co-hosts but i have a whole little thing written up of like the concept and the lore behind it and i want to kind of introduce some um some custom campaign mechanics which i'll i'll get into um but a lot of that really speaks to um you know as we've all been talking together and paul you just always talk about this so well but that the fact that this is a game that we're playing together that we're agreeing to kind of do things for the story first is that we get to do things like harry was just talking about where we can kind of say hey yeah it's really cool to like take these models and decide right before the game like are they spearmen are they archers um and to kind of you know, twist things a little bit and come up with custom rules and custom backgrounds, whatever, whatever, to really tell the stories that we want to tell. And so you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot of that um, from us throughout okay. the course of this. But so my um, my Lumeneth Four sort of started with this concept of I wanted to kind of recreate a mini Spirefall within my army. And so what would that look like? Um, and so I, as I was sort of noodling around with that. Um, I had this idea of like, well, you know, what if I had, you know, sort of like two leaders um, and when certain things happened over the course of the campaign, um, certain momentous events or, you know, big events happened, they would accrue a number of, you know, points. And then once they uh, reach a threshold, I would then roll a dice Um and one of the depending on well, you know, whether it was odd or even or flip a coin or something, um, depending on the outcome of that role, one of the two leaders would fall to chaos. Um, at which point uh the you know, the the campaign would tear itself apart and I would essentially start with two. So really mine is like a nesting doll of, it's a Lumineth campaign, but really it's a Lumineth and a Slaves to Darkness (laughs) campaign inside (laughs) it. So we'll see how that goes. Um, And so a lot of my lore and a lot of the story behind it kind of um, was created to support that idea of what would it look like for um, two people who were sort of co-leading this and, and why wouldn't you know which one of them was going to fall to chaos and so that kind of uh, came up with this idea of which is not unique at all it, it's a theme throughout uh not just luminous society uh and uh, uh Il- iliatha which is one of the elven nations uh but appears in um plenty of other places as well but the idea of, of uh two elves sharing a soul so um I still have not, Paul and I and and the four of us have sort of been workshopping a name for them, um, which has ranged from great to very silly and it's been wonderful. At the Mm -hmm. moment, I'm still calling them a twin soul. We'll probably change that at some point or I think we came up with another name. I can't remember off the top of my head. I just haven't edited this document yet. Um, (laughs) But essentially they are this rare spiritual phenomenon observed by the Lumineth where, yeah, one soul is born into two bodies, uh, which again is not unique in the Warhammer lore. And in fact, even in the uh, old world, you had the Sisters of Twilight, who were exactly the same thing, they were two halves of a soul split into, into two bodies. Uh, but essentially that is the reason why it's not until they hit that threshold and I roll a dice that you're not going to know which of the two of them is going to fall to chaos. Um, and so their names are Sevenor uh, and uh, Ari- Arianthoi. I should really get used to saying their names. Um, the reason that they sound like that is because I actually decided to take some of the runes that are listed in the Lumineth uh, book and to create names out of those runes. And so both Sevenal uh, and uh, Orianthoi use, there are two different runes for the word wind, um, which is uh, orly uh, or, or, Oriali, who knows these are made up words uh, and severe so um i have a whole thing about phil, kelly knows. Phil, phil kelly, kelly knows phil kelly knows exactly how those words sound <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> exactly <laughs> wait so they are sort of compounded with the the two words we have for wind and then they're compounded with two other uh, runes which convey various things which i can you know i'll post at some point um or we'll get into later but so they are they hail from the nation uh of um uh alumnia this is weird to be a lot of these things i've like realizing i have never said out loud before <laughs> i'm like really oh my god i've read it so many times and i've typed it i've just never said it out loud um yes alum uh, alumnia so they both hail from there which is one of the um and the Lumineth, if you're familiar, if you listen to the story phase, if not, you should go and listen to the story phase episode on the Lumineth. But there are two. The sort of uh, Lumineath society is split into there are the Techlian nations and the Tyrionic nations, uh, which um, both worship the twin gods, but sort of hold one in the ideal or or, or the other and so uh, alumnia is a, a a tyrionic nation and they are sort of the adventurers the the go-getters the you know they love to go out there and explore and, and whatever and so i i love this as like they're going to kind of be on this campaign of um adventure and starting out in the realm of hish but their quest really is to um uh, hunt down i mean it's very simple right it's, it's they're trying to hunt down Lumineth artifacts that were once stored in uh storm vaults uh, they see what sigma and grungi uh, who they call the smith and the helden hammer they uh, think that what they what they did to uh Teclis's gifts of the illumination engines was nothing short of sacrilege so they have no great love of of uh, anything to do with the helden hammer or the smith uh, Wait, and so, so, uh, on. so they're mapping storm vaults. Is that what's going on? Mapping storm vaults. I don't, I don't think they care as much where I think once they've found them, if it's mm. belongs to if it's luminous of hiding in them, they've taken them and they're bringing it back to Hish and then they mm. don't really care whatever happens after. So if they unleash something in the process of this, yeah. so long as it doesn't threaten Hish, they're not bothered, I don't think. They, they, they kind of sound like extravagant, extravagant they cartographers. They do sound like extravagant cartographers. And that's funny. So <laughs> Tentacled <laughs> Shipyard comes into this because... <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, yes, the two of them, the two twins, um, they one of them is going to be represented by uh, a sonari. Uh, Enlightener um, and uh, she I still haven't decided which name is going to be which yet but she is going to be a, a spell right which uh, I re- listened recently to uh, the audiobook for *Godsbane*, which is an Age of Sigmar uh, mm. fiction that came out um, and yes very very good and a couple of the characters in that it mentions it, it features Lumineth Society quite heavily and one of them is a spell right and I was like oh that's cool one of my characters should be a spell right um, and so the Enlightener Is a great model to represent that because in the rules they get uh, two casts and two unbinds uh, and then i will probably take the silver wand as their first one which gives them i think that's the one that gives them an extra cast so really trying to get up there with the number of spells that they can be casting per round and then the other twin is very much the venari so they will be the venari regent haven't thought of a a sort of equivalent you know there won't actually be a regent in game yet but uh there'll be some kind of um you know, martial prowess person. Um, and so, yes, the, my actual starting force is just going to be 600 points, uh, so the the very small one. And so it's going to be the scenario Lightner and the um, Lord Regent, both of them painted up to represent uh, Alumnian colors. Uh, and then they the fact that they are a twin soul is of great interest to all the nations of the Lumineth. It uh, tends to portend either well, it pretends greatness, whether that greatness is for good or for doom, is up in the air. And so that will play out in the course of the campaign as well. Um, but uh, one nation that particularly cares about twins, particularly cares about this kind of thing, is, is Iliatha, which is actually already in the law that they have clone twins uh, throughout the nation. So they are already practicing things like this. And so they love twin souls like this because it's just a natural version of what they are already doing kind of artificially. And so they just see it as this you know, sign that is, is is to be protected, is to be um, helped. And so there. the two units I'm going to start with are a unit of five Dawn Riders, which will kind of be the uh, Honor Guard slash Bodyguard for my Lord Regent, and then um, a unit of uh, Blade Guard, which will be with the Enlightener. And again, those two units will be painted up in uh, Iliathar colors as well. So Great. there is no particular mechanical benefit in the rules of painting them to look like they're from one nation versus the other, but over the course of this campaign, my hope is to sort of represent in the lore, just by painting them up in different colours, that all of the nations of the Lumineth are, are, are banding around this campaign and are sent units either to help or kind of, you know, share in the glory if things go great, and to chop the head off the snake if it comes <laughs> to that and things swing the other way. And so that is kind of the the, you know, the sort of campaign that i'm rocking with to start so
0: that's
4: awesome
2: i have an idea what if you paint up every individual model
0: in the unit as a different nation and then that contributes to the whole fall and which nations fall to which twin right
2: well it's a great so i'm paul i'm so glad you said this (laughs) <laughs> one of the ways in which, uh, so again, I will, will post this at some point uh, either on some kind of Instagram or on our, you know, the website, but the once the twins reach a certain number of what I'm calling fate points, that's when that will initiate the dice roll. Uh, and they also have to reach a certain number of, once they've got a certain number of fate points, they also a couple of other things have to happen in the campaign for the, to initiate that roll. One of which is the Order of Battle roster contains at least one unit from each playable Great Nation, which again, doesn't have any mechanical benefit, Benefit, but I will kind of be painting them in and sort of saying, well, you know, um, it's starting out with Alumnia and Iliathia, uh, and then it's a case of, okay, well, why has Syyar sent somebody, uh, and what unit does Syyar send? You know, Syar are known for like being great uh, artifact makers, and they're very powerful. They, in fact, during the Spirefall, Syar, uh were responsible for a lot of the, the super weapons that fired and you know misfired. Zytrek, which is like the wizards, you know, they're the most arcane nation, and so I'm excited to kind of. You know, play out in the lore of well, why does each nation send what unit do they send to kind of back them up uh, and one of the things that you'll see in this is that you won't see any elementary uh, units at this point in the campaign because once mm. the fall happens and one of the twins falls to chaos along with because once I make that roll I'm also going to make a roll for every single unit in the army and for once once I have reach half uh, those units will leave and become the chaos and I'm hoping to do some kind of Lumineth Like conversion to Slaves of Darkness. We'll see how that goes and how we progress. I'm very new to this hobby. And um, (laughs) that's a whole other thing. So whether I had the skill to do that or not is a whole other question. And then the remaining ones will form this new kind of, um, that that twin will kind of retreat into grief and kind of retreat into uh, contemplation and will kind of form more of a bond with the spirits of the land. And so that's when we'll start to see things like Uh, the Alara Spirits of the Mountain, the Hurricane Spirits of the Wind, that army will then feature more of those things. So again, it's hopefully not just the same Lumineth army. I'm trying to make a little bit of a a distinction here. So um, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. Super cool. And I know one of the twins, part of their name comes from the Elven Rune of Sever. So regardless of how the die rolls... That's the good guy, exactly. Eyes, as yes, biased source.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I, in fact, I think when I first posted that, um, I did uh, owe Will uh, fifty thousand dollars in uh, in yes. royalties for for of course using his name, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his handle. Well, that's three of us now. Paul, listeners are probably very excited to hear your army, and and I would love to say that that makes uh, all three of us as well because you. <laughs> very recently decided what your army was going to be would you like to tell us your thought process how you got here where you're going you mean like yesterday yeah I yesterday decided, literally like last yesterday. night right less than 24 <laughs> hours from when we call making yeah. this recording <laughs> i like do
0: it on the fly it'll be fine yeah we'll it'll do it totally live great so um i'm not 100 percent sure if i haven't talked about this army on the podcast before i know will and i have talked about this army um yes but um this is going to be a squig stampede army. Excellent. Um, Excellent. So have I talked? You two have listened more recently yeah. than I did.
2: Have I talked about my squigs? I um, am 95% sure you have not. You may have right. mentioned squigs on a story phase. Maybe most, yeah. or maybe the Sigma and Alia, Maybe. Okay. But Fair. not extensively if you did. But not on path to story, no. And certainly right. not on path <laughs> to story.
0: Well then, Will alone will be excited about the return of (laughs) Zick Pizzle Squig Smasher. Zick Pizzle Squig Smasher. Um, Excellent. He is the leader of the Cathardian Cavalcade. Um, So, um, this is my Gloomspite Gitz Squig Hopper Army. I say Squig Hopper Army because I have like every other kind of Gloomspite Gitz Army as well. (laughs) Um, but uh, these are guys that I made right at the beginning of lockdown. I was like, oh, stuff's closing down. I'm going to need an army to work on. I'm going to go buy this and go buy that and go buy this. And yeah. So um, it was it a good is... excuse
4: for all of us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like I even sent my wife out
0: and I was like, you got to go buy me models. And she's like, okay, I understand. It's fine.
2: I'm like, great. She's like, <laughs> I just saw these bouncing mouths and I just bought mm-hmm. anything that looked like that. Yeah,
0: exactly. It, it worked out perfectly. Um, So, this army is actually completely converted uh, already. Um, They are not painted. Um, They've been kind of primed. Um, But they actually are from um, the realm of Hish, um, which you might have kind of gotten from the fact that they're called the Cathardian Cavalcade. Oh, uh I was going
4: to ask.
0: Yeah. So, this army is from the pits of Cathardia. Oh, my God. Excellent. Um, And they are... So they're in the realm of Hish, and the realm of Hish, the light, will make you more intelligent, more smart, right?
2: Because that's what happens in the realm yeah, of light. Yeah, you are being enlightened, you're being illuminated, absolutely. Exactly.
0: Yeah, grots don't like that.
2: <laughs> you get too smart,
0: bad things happen. Truly. Right? So every model in my army, every squig has like pieces of metal bound to its eyes.
2: Oh my god. And all that's the grots
0: nice. wear blindfolds. Excellent. So they literally have no idea where they're going at any point. Um, and uh, the the thing that I really enjoyed about when I came up with the theme for this army is that the the metal that they put on the squig's eyes isn't actually metal per se. It is the spent ether quartz oh, of yes. the Lumineth that they have Excellent. left around the entrance of the pits of Cathardia. Uh-huh. Right. So they bind that to their squigs. And so the anger, the lost everything from the luminous that they consider toxic has now infused into the squigs and into the (laughs) grots. And so...
4: Nothing can go wrong. Exactly. There's there's no way
2: this could could backfire. Paul, I was going
4: to ask, you know, like, are these guys just... Eating all of the bad feelings that the elves leave behind, <laughs> they literally are <laughs> literally. eating all of the bad feelings, <laughs> and they literally have become the
0: luminous worst nightmare.
2: Because yeah, it is it embody... is all of their depression made manifest. In- exactly, invisible. angry. Yes, yeah, brilliant.
0: Yeah. So that that's it. That's that's the whole army. Um, but uh so I've got probably like three thousand points already assembled and taken care of. But um, that's going to be my path to story army this year. So okay. that'll be super. So great. let me ask
4: on that note. Because I I heard Kira mention it. I don't know if you mentioned it, Will, and I know I forgot to mention it. Where are you starting? What uh, what points level are you going to be starting your path to glory at?
0: Well, I started I think at six hundred. Maybe I started at a thousand. I don't. I actually have already done a couple games with this guy's. So it oh, oh, was a thousand. So
4: okay, we'll and, and that's just something I want to point out to listeners is there are different levels that you can start your path to glory. Uh, Campaign at, but it really doesn't matter. It's kind of six in one, half dozen the other. Uh, in that, if you start out small, it gives you more room to grow organically as you're fighting your battles. If you've already got a large collection, you can yeah. start out larger. Um, and it doesn't determine the size of games you're going to play, it just sort of determines the starting roster. So, for instance, with me and my son, I started at a thousand points, and he started at two thousand points because he yeah. wanted to have all his models on his roster.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. And then, as you yeah. decide what level of games you want to play, they are just your your bench, and you say, okay, if you're playing, you know, a one thousand point game, Harry, all of your models might, you know, you might have to call up all of the reserves. Whereas your son can kind of say, okay, you stay per, you stay on the bench, you come here, you're going to find this battle, you're going to sit this one out. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. such a great way of. Um, That's
4: exactly what we've been doing. Yeah. In fact, we we were just playing our second game of the campaign before we started recording, and we did just that. I brought a thousand points, so it's my whole roster. He brought a thousand points from his roster, but because he had some casualties from our first game, he sat those units out, and so they're going to get a bonus to their casu- or to their recovery rolls because yeah. they sat this battle out. Excellent.
2: Yeah. yeah, and, and, and there, is
0: a, there is actually a trade off. You start out with two thousand points, like you've already kind of got a full roster. But then the thing that I actually ended up being like, "Oh, this is sad," is that you don't actually get to take all the territories
3: mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. you already
0: have a decent amount of territories. And so, like, whereas when you're starting at six hundred, that territory role is super fun and super engaging. Yeah. yeah. But when you started at two thousand, was you're like, "Well, I'm not one hundred percent sure that I want that," and. Maybe I'll have to give it a pass. So uh, it, it, there are some trade-offs. It's starting at 2000 points versus starting at 600. There I remember that happening
2: are. last yeah. season, Paul. I remember you would make some rolls you were filled up and you got a really cool territory. And you were like, no, I actually don't want to roll <laughs> for this territory because I want this one. But I don't currently have the points, the mechanics, the space yeah, to add that. it onto my, my roster. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It wasn't better at all. It, it, it was just, yeah, no, it's totally fine. Yeah, no, it's totally, <laughs> it's
1: totally fine. I don't even care. Stop bringing
2: it up. <laughs> that was <laughs> last season, Kieran. Come on. This is a new season. We're not bringing that up anymore.
4: If you start with a larger roster also, like you were saying with that trade-off, you end up spending a lot of your glory points on maintenance. Yes. Um, you know, you're know, you not doing as much adding new stuff as you are just sort of maintaining what you've already got.
2: Yeah. Yeah, great points. Um and we, we'll we'll kind of you know I think um, we talked a lot about this as a uh, as a crew, but we sort of if you are listening to this, we sort of assume that you have a general understanding of maybe you've played Age of Sigma open play narrative, uh, you know match play, maybe you played a little bit of narrative play before, um, or maybe you're just listening and you know a tiny bit about Age of Sigma. We're sort of assuming a baseline level of lore. We'll still kind of talk about it when it's relevant, um, especially when it kind of gets into more of the weeds of each of the. Uh, kind of uh, factions that we're talking about um but we are assuming that you are either uh, have already bought into the system you're playing your own path to glory campaigns or you might be looking to start that and so we will occasionally sort of touch on uh you know when it's relevant like you know instead of just barreling into we're talking about territories it's like you know taking a pause and saying hey what does that actually mean you know briefly for 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 those of you who uh who maybe are not as familiar with that okay gents well as we've talked a little bit about our hobby in the previous section when we talked about our armies, let's go straight into any battles that we have fought recently. Uh, uh, once again, for listeners, this is going to be slightly different than last season. We, Because there are four of us um, and we may have actually fought battles against entirely different people, and so there might be four different armies to report on, what we'll do <laughs> is that every episode we'll cover uh, one to two, and we'll sort of switch it up every time we go. So you'll hear from Uh, A couple of armies one month, and then a couple of armies the next month. So uh, who has games that they would like to talk about this week? Harry, do you want to start us off?
4: Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, um, my son and I have played a couple of battles already. Um, And so they've both done a really good job of carrying forward the narrative for our armies, um, which has been really fun. So I picked the quest of... I'm searching for that artifact, right? Yeah. And he picked a quest because he wants to add more glory to his roster um, to be able to add more units as he gets um, uh He took the quest of Defend Your Realm, I believe. That's the name of it. Um, it's one of the ones from the core book. Yeah, I think um, it's
2: Defend Your Realm. Yeah. yeah.
4: And and so that, that automatically creates a narrative right there. My guys are out raiding, looking for this artifact and his guys are trying to defend against these raiders that are coming into their land doing whatever thats that they're doing. Um, and so I've got the uh, the open war cards from the first edition of Age of Sigmar, and I've used those to generate the battle plans. Oh, that's uh, brilliant. Yeah. The first battle we played was just a little 600-point battle, pretty much just on our coffee table. Yeah. And use those, those cards to create uh, – a scenario where there were three objectives and, um, and they scored, uh, I think it was the, cause there was one in each opposing players territory and then one in the center. Um, so they would score more if you were getting the one in the opposing players territory. And that just played into that narrative of, uh, my guys needed to go out and check these spots for that artifact. Um, that was a really brutal game. Um, for you learn- or for your son or both of you? For both <laughs> of us. Um, I managed to wipe out most of his units, uh, including his uh, Lord Regent. But mm. in return, um, his uh, Venari Seaguard, which we're playing as uh, Sentinels, were able to uh, take the last stand and wipe out almost everyone except for Tigris doom site and she was able to finish off those guys um and was the last person standing on the battlefield um <laughs> That's literally amazing. one model left on the battlefield wow and i just so, imagine her drenched
2: in blood just like
4: oh you was, know just <laughs> panting from the effort of just yeah brutal. wow so um and we didn't even make it to to battle round five with that it was again you play on these smaller battlefields you get into combat a lot quicker um so led to a lot of uh, casualty roles and and injury roles um afterwards so most of our glory went into recuperating uh casualty roles yeah um, <laughs> recuperating guys that we lost due to casualty roles we didn't gain a lot of renown from that battle but we did make some progress um my guys uh, didn't actually end up achieving what they needed to in that battle In order for me to get a quest point so i had to i'm gonna start at the same point on the next battle looking for this artifact but he was able to gain uh, an additional quest point which is going to go towards that that added glory which is where he's wanting to go
2: i like how thematic that is as well because it's like you know your son's army they they did what they set out to do right which was like we have defended the realm to the last elf versus your guys where you're going in to try and find the artifact and it's yeah. only your War queen who's left standing
4: <laughs> we weren't able to do it so she regrouped and then just before our recording today we started another battle um this one we're doing at a thousand points it's a slightly larger battlefield but still not a full size what you would normally play a game of ages of sigmar on so it's Hold on, my dog just walked
2: in. <laughs> I thought he was going to be your son, and he's like, "Here's how it went yeah. down." <laughs> so what happened, Dad? Listen, honestly, honestly. yeah, <laughs> I totally won by a lot
1: back. <laughs> <laughs> a quick note from the editor's desk: even though we were just making fun of Harry and how his son was going to correct him, that's exactly what happened. His war queen was not the last model standing for the army and was instead slaughtered by his son sentinels, allowing his son to win the game. And now Harry has egg on his face. Thank you for your time and back to the show.
4: So then uh, leading into the second battle, uh, we again use the open war cards and um, we we're playing on a smaller battlefield. It's two of the war cry uh, mats put together. Um, but it's a thousand points apiece, And that means I've got to bring my entire army this time. And he's bringing the units that he wants to bring to that. And we're basically starting off in each other's faces. Uh, the open war deck has a twist card similar to the war cry deck. And in this one, it's plus one attack to all melee combat. So even though we're just in the first battle round before we had to come in and take a break and come in to, uh, record the podcast, um, it's he's already wiped out three of my units Wow! because he got the the first player turn. And he's, I mean, the Dawn Riders just deleted, absolutely slaughtered to a man, a unit of Darko Savagers. They are already so brutal
2: in melee combat to get oh, and yeah. give them an and extra the, attack.
4: The Deathly Furrows yep. is plus two attacks if yep. they're going against... Uh, single wound models and so now it's plus three attacks wow uh, it was it was vicious um the uh his Alaris stoneguard have gone in and completely obliterated and smashed a unit of uh chaos marauders um his uh Fenari lord regent just cut down literally the role before we came in here was he had just cut down a unit of uh, Marauder Horseman, uh, again wiped out to a man. I,
2: I love that this battle report because it's still ongoing. This is like live from the from the, from the Eastern <laughs> Front. How is the battle going? Can you? Can you what's it like out That's there? Not
4: great. I may get a first turn, and that'll be about it. <laughs> but but it's great story. Um, the the other part that played into this was the objective was one called Treasure Hunt. And so each player took turns putting out six. Well, we put out three objectives a piece and then for each or at the beginning of each player's turn, they roll a dice for each objective that they currently control. And on a six, that's the treasure and all five of the others are deleted from the table. Oh, wow. Well, So it plays right into, we're out here trying to find this artifact again. Right. Here's six objectives. Now, unfortunately on his first turn, he rolled the objective that the uh, Dawn Riders were sitting on top of. Um, so <laughs> he rolled a six on that. Um, I blame his new dice that, that Santa brought him. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Santa's got to take those the, back. The and, second you know. edition Lumineth dice, the ones oh, that I look like so badly. Cards. Yes, they're amazing. Yeah. They seem to be rolling a lot of sixes. So
2: <laughs> That's amazing.
4: And Harry, I know that you've posted a couple
2: pictures, which uh, hopefully we'll be able to get on the Discord and Instagram and the website, but of a map you guys have started to draw of your yeah. particular
4: path to Yeah, so yeah. here again, um, you know, he wants his army to be based out of Hish. I wanted my army to be based out of Gur. So I've actually started drawing two maps yeah. because each one, all you need to represent is where your stronghold is and the territories that you start with. And then that you move on to conquer or upgrade along the way. So I've got these maps. Each of us has our stronghold. His has a couple of arcane waypoints. And um, what was his other territory?
2: You're like, Like, the map is right here. here. (laughs) here. Let
4: me consult my extravagant cartography. Yes. Um, An old keep. Oh Yeah, because he wanted to have more more heroes. So he's got an old keep on there as well as uh, two arcane waypoints. Um, So I've drawn those on there. And then on mine, I've got um, also an arcane waypoint. Um, but I drew mine because mine's chaos. I don't have elven spires for my arcane waypoints. Mine is this like clawed rock formation that's a, a nexus of power. Excellent for, um, for my nice, guys.
2: nice, brilliant. Anything else you want to add about the games or the story you've been telling together?
4: No, I mean that's that's it for the battles. I mean it's it's definitely exciting getting my son into it um you know yeah. we're not as focused on real crunchy like no the rules say this you know like if he yeah. forgets a rule and then remembers it later you, know, you let him roll I'm not playing fully into trying to remember all my combos um, with right. this, like, the darkness army um, I mean it sounds or, like you're not
2: gonna need them anyway with these no, I, the, the I any charges eye. the doing right
4: is just flattening your, your guys yeah. um, The one thing I will say, and uh, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you've already seen me post a little bit about this, is having multiple Dark Oath units on the table, you're going to need some sort of marker to see if they've fulfilled their oath or not. So I've gone and gotten some flat rocks, and I've started painting runes on them. Oh, that's a great idea. To be like little oath stones. Mm -hmm. And so on the one side, the rune is just black, and on the other side, it's like it's glowy red. That's very
2: very cool. Nice amazing. Okay, Will, yep. tell us about the narrative that you've been playing recently.
1: Yeah, so I almost feel like I need to start hobbying like other tokens too, not because like oaths, but um a lot of my army is based around shutting down someone else's ability to do things. Chaos Legionnaires can make it so you don't get command points and then it's I took like the being shadowy and tricky. Yeah, exactly. No. Like cuz the whole thing is like oh, you thought you were doing something? No. Uh, So I need little tokens of like, exactly what am I not allowing you to do? Yeah, right. Um, And kind of similar to what Harry was talking about, the battle I played was also super deadly and super quick because it's a thousand points on two Warcry boards that are smushed together. If you want a very fast, devastating game, that's the way to do it.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, A half-sized board with a half-sized army. Uh, Because if you like check the battle back uh, for any of the three ways to play for a thousand points, they still recommend a full size board, right? Um, So by smushing to that half board, you're really hunkering things down. But the, the narrative I went with is um, since I built my keep around a skitter hole, I wanted to fight an army in the veins. So I played against myself, but with an army, like I've been building up on the side which is just like Darkling Covens and Order Serpentis.
4: Very just well, Awesome.
1: Dra- like Dark Elf and Dragons and all that
2: good stuff. And hey, Will, what are the Order Serpentis?
1: Order Serpentis are like Dark Elves, Elves with an elf, who Elves, who want to have dragons, but so many dragons were wiped out and like, they can't have Draconith. Sigmar said no. <laughs> Sigmar said uh, no. Oh. Sigmar says no. <laughs> you can't play with his toys. Uh, so they try to like create new dragons and it doesn't always work when it works the best you have black dragons and when it doesn't work you have essentially lizard dinosaurs they can ride or it works horrifically and you have stuff like hydras um and so the battle plan i played was uh, an ambush it's olgu everything's dark it's in the veins so i'm getting ambushed by dark elves nice um and the way ambush works is all i need to do is survive all they need to do is kill me. And I'm Simple. like literally turtled up in a corner. So the army I faced, I wanted, even though I'm playing myself, I wanted it to be a challenge. So it's like right. a bunch of their automatic crossbows and dragons of like, if I don't move, I'm going to get shot off the board. So I right. need to go on the offensive. Um, and my army was kind of split into three waves. There was Caldor and his retinue of chosen who were going to go take on a dragon
2: Love it. Go big or go home in chaos. Exactly.
1: Yep. You have to kill it. Yep. Um, there is a Centaurian Marshal and my Sorcerer who are going to flank one side to get rid of archers, and then my Exalted Hero and my Chaos Legionnaires flanking the other side to get rid of the other archers. But the army I faced had two dragons, <laughs> and I learned uh, in this game. Wait, Timmy, support, how come
2: you get two dragons?
1: Right. <laughs> uh, I learned that support and. For both of the armies, the Slaves of Darkness and the Order Serpentis army, means so much. Because the general I fought, he had like the Drake Skill Cloak, so he had a ward save, he had a shield, better save, he had a retinue he can pass wounds off to, he had a sorceress that could sacrifice Mm -hmm. people for spells. And like, it was just a slog to chew through. My exalted hero was doing good until the vitriolic spray went off. Mm-hmm. So like he had a great yeah he had a three plus armor save and a great ward save, but then he just no longer had an armor save. So he was just hoping for sixes. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: His wow. armor melts around him, Looney Tune style. Yeah, he went from like killing a bunch of archers like super
1: quickly, like this is great, to suddenly like being naked in front of a dragon. <laughs>
4: We've and all been that. We know how saves. terrifying that is. Yeah. Yeah, I-, I have that dream at least once a week. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um,
1: And then on the flip side like There was a dragon that did not have support That went after my lord I did the fun Slaves of Darkness combo of the lord fights Then he points to the chosen And then they get to fight Before the dragon does And then once per turn they get to fight again But at the end But then I had spells where like Oh enemy has to fight at the end And the Centaurian Marshal has a net where enemy has to fight at the end so them fighting at the end meant they still fought next. you right. <laughs> they just killed that dragon. Um, so I was like, oh, so this is the exact opposite situation. Uh, and then the Centaurian Marshall was actually the MVP because he killed so many units of archers with the help of my Chaos Sorcerer. And I'm actually I'm going to put it on the camera, but I'm going to post pictures. I'm using a 3D printed model for my Chaos Sorcerer Lord. Oh, very cool. It looks like a wizard who's got like a bone dragon like wrapped around him. Oh, oh yes. Nice. Oh god, that's amazing. So that's gorgeous. The narrative is that's like a mini incarnate of Olgu, and that's where all the magic is. Oh fantastic. he doesn't really cast spells, he just commands this incarnate to do things.
0: Very so cool. So what you're saying is the bone dragon, that's where the magic happens.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, like, narratively, the Bone Dragon just followed the Centaurian Marshal and gave him a buff on his to hits and to wounds, which is phenomenal for a Centaurian Marshal. So he just pff, cleared through everything. yeah,
2: Centaurian Marshal, of course, famously a spider. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Spider appendages. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. got eight limbs. Yep. <laughs>
1: um, and, yeah, so after the first battle round, the Order's Repentous Army got a double turn they realized all they had left was the sorceress and the dragon because they sacrificed too many people. (laughs) And so they just beat feet and left.
3: Wow. Like we,
1: we can't kill enough of your guys with how many turns are left for us to win. So we're just going to call it. Uh, Harry, when you continue your game, you might not get that far. No, (laughs) no. the, the smaller boards and the thousand point armies, those battles are going to go very quickly
4: they definitely do um,
2: and how was the aftermath then will did you have a particular quest you were looking for did you get any new territories yeah. or anything
1: um, i'm looking at my notes so as far yeah. as quests go i was gonna do reap the spoils which i gained two quest points for and when i get it uh it means i can do two territory rolls instead of one. Oh, amazing and for mm-hmm. the second one one of the die will always be a six which means yeah, I get special getting, territories. It's always going to be my special territory, which is super cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, I added the territory large settlement, which means every unit I add after the fact will now be cheaper. Oh, amazing. Okay. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Which
1: is yep. super nice. And I added the mind stealer Spherings to my list
2: nice um, amazing model love it so yes. good and it does another one of the
1: sorry you have to fight last now abilities so yep. i'm just gonna be carrying a bunch of y- <laughs> you go last tokens <laughs> <and just laughs> yeah i love your that. You,
2: yeah your army is uh mm, actually
1: yeah <laughs> like i figured it's part of the note like i don't even know if it's really good because like i couldn't it didn't go off a single time for the enemy dragon um that like killed everything so it's like i don't know if it's good but i like it yeah, if that's a narrative of Olgu, Bellacore just shutting people down.
2: And what was it like fighting yourself? Like, how did that, what was that experience like? Did you do any particular special rules or do you just kind of say, here's the mindset I'm in?
1: I I just tried to win as much as I could. Um, yeah. Were you constantly saying, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yeah. yourself? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's going to be lopsided only for the fact that I know since i played a few games with Slave to Darkness now, I know it better. So I need to try harder as, like, the other army to win. Yeah. Even though I'm going to try as hard as I can, I know I'm kind of going to lean the other direction.
2: Yeah, totally. Totally. Amazing. Any other notes you want to mention about your narrative story? Anything that comes to mind before we move into our Uh, side?
1: No, that's kind of it just like i feel like the narrative of this army is best portrayed by acts in the battle of just telling other people no sorry sir
2: you can't do that yeah, yeah i love that like you literally narratively you are getting ambushed and your your army was just like no actually yeah coming out of the shadows we yeah <laughs> it's very very good
1: oh i'm sorry you wanted to give command points no
2: we don't do that here no. we don't do that here. <laughs> Well, dear listeners, our fire has at last burned down to embers, and we must take to the path once more. If you enjoyed your time with us, consider leaving us a positive review on your podcast platform of choice, or you can leave a tip over on our Patreon at themortalrealms.com forward slash Patreon. If you'd like to share your stories with us, you can head on over to our Twitter at Path to Story, or you can chat with us on our Discord at themortalrealms.com forward slash Discord. Finally, if you'd like to keep us company on the road, Will, where can they find you online?
1: Uh, you can find me in the Discord or on Twitter at Age of Sever.
2: Amazing. And Paul, where can they find you? At PJ Shard. And Harry?
4: I'm also on the Discord as uh, Toy Soldier. Actually, I'm not on the Discord as Toy Soldier Fun anymore. <laughs> that is me on Twitter. On, on the Discord, I had to get a different account, so you'll see me on there as Buddy slash Harry. Um, Pass the story
2: wonderful and you can find me at underscore magpie paints on instagram and twitter and you can also find me uh, as kieran on the discord thank you so much for listening everybody and we'll see you again soon